your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome to Match Fix, a brand new Selk production podcast, bringing you everything you want to know about the women's grassroots game. So here it is, episode one. Welcome. Let me start by introducing myself. I am your host, Abby. The women's game itself is in fact fairly new to me. I didn't lace up my first pair of boots until April of 2019. I don't come from a family of football fanatics, so my interest growing up was a fairly passive one. I supported my local men's team, but I had no real idea that there were women's teams too, let alone the idea that girls were allowed to play football. I tried to join a team as a teenager, but shyness got the better of me uh, back then and I didn't return after the third week. If 14-year-old me could see the opportunities available now, how different things might have been. The hype of the 2019 World Cup really catapulted women's football into the spotlight for so many, with 1.1 billion viewers across all platforms. I wasn't indifferent to women's football before then, but that definitely sparked my interest. When I'm not playing football, you'll probably find me writing about it. I write primarily for Football in Berkshire, amongst other voluntary publications, and as such, women's football in Berkshire would probably be my mastermind subject. But that's just one of 48 counties in England. There's a 100 more in the UK in total. So that's where you guys come in. How do we grow the women's game? Visibility, of course. We promote the Wildcat centres. We give airtime to games on TV. We look to social media to see the incredible work people are doing. And of course, we have discussions on podcasts just like this one. The women's game we so many of us know and love today is rooted back to the humble beginnings of the 1880s and the British ladies football team who toured the country. And they were able to give rise to others like the Dicker ladies, the Manchester Corinthians, St Helens ladies and many, many more. Female football really began to gain momentum during the wars when lunch break boredom in the munitions factories was filled with a kickabout. And before they knew it, women's teams were drawing crowds of thousands and playing for charitable causes like hospitals and children's homes. That was until women's football was banned on FA affiliated grounds in 1921 and it became increasingly difficult for women to play. The women's game had sadly virtually relinquished existence by the 1950s. But if we fast forward to today, we look to elite football, we see huge growth in the women's game in recent years. Record-breaking transfers, players flocking to England from Europe and to the US. But the reality of it is they all started somewhere and for many of them, it was at their local grassroots club. So I'm here to celebrate all that is great about grassroots football. It might seem like a strange time to start a show on grassroots football in the middle of a pandemic when every tier bar those top two elite is suspended. But this year celebrates 50 years since that ban was lifted. So now feels like just the right time to showcase and honour the stories of the people in the grassroots game.
There's around 3.4 million women and girls playing football. But the stark reality of the world right now means that we're finding ourselves looking at the possibility of another null and voided season. So now, more than ever, is the moment to highlight all the good being done in the women's game. The time, the effort and the progression being put in by all those involved, be that the players themselves, the managers, the coaches and the volunteers at teams and clubs. That's enough from me for now, though. Expect news, facts, history and the future in the coming episodes. And keep listening for part two of what will be the first of, I hope, many interviews. Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. So joining me today for part two of episode one of uh, the Women's Football Podcast, Match Fix, is Craig Dawson, the head coach at Ramsey and Missley Ladies. So kind of before we get started, how are you kind of, how's how's lockdown going for you? What's keeping you busy? Um, I'm good, thank you. At the moment, I think like most people, just trying to find stuff to pass the time, so I've actually been learning how to speak German because it's something I've wanted to learn how to speak a second language. Um, so I thought I'd pick German and give that a go. I've been doing the trying to read because I think like, like a lot of people in the first lockdown, I bought a mountain of books at this, that, there and collected dust for most of last year. <laughs> so I've actually tried to, tried to use the time to start reading, doing some of the online courses at the FA, sort of the, like the CPD courses and yeah, kind of pass the time and get my football fixed in, I suppose. <laughs> nice. Is there any reason you picked German? Like, is there a particular link or you just thought, yeah, German's um, a language for me? I did dabble when I injured my knee a few years ago and I started doing Italian, but I could never get the hang of rolling ass, which was a lot of Italian. <laughs> yeah. And and in German, there's not as much as that sort of thing. And I've always been a big fan of German football with some of the culture and stuff like that. It's yeah, absolutely. I'd like to explore a bit more of stuff or why not keep it going. Nice, yeah, I love that. A bit. <laughs> And then you mentioned as well that you kind of picked up a book. Is there anything that's particularly, like, caught your fancy and you think, yeah, this is a great book? Any recommendations? Well, I read... The first book I read this year was um, Peter Crouch's How to Be a Footballer. Yeah, nice. Um, I listened... Um, a podcast so it's kind of in quite well so I've always been a big fan of the Peter Crouch podcast being a um, first fan from my students I liked Crouch when he was when he was at uh, Tottenham so I thought I'd give that a read that's a really good book so I recommend that and I'm currently reading um, Tim Tate's Women's Football The Secret History interesting do you know what that is actually a book that I have got in my list that is on my list of books to read too (laughs) Is it? Right, yeah, yeah. My, my brother bought it for me for, for Christmas, so I thought I'd pick it up. Because I've read a little bit about the history of women's football, because we're relatively new to it. I mm-hmm. wanted to, wanted to um, get a bit more of a better understanding of the background and how the game's grown. So it's, it's worked out quite well. Quite enjoying it so far. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And you also mentioned that you're doing some kind of FA courses as well. What are you kind of, what are you learning about at the moment? Um. Oh. <laughs> With the 
I've done all the CPD courses. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a lot of them through the last lockdown, and I'm sort of picking up any, any bits that I can do. Uh, luckily, Suffolk FA, we've been doing a couple of webinars. So last night, I've done a webinar on match analysis. Yeah. It's a free video. Unfortunately, the game they picked to do it on was West Ham Man United in the FA Cup <laughs> last night. So possibly not the greatest game to, to pick. Yeah, but absolutely. It, it was very interesting to pick a seat because they gave us a task to do. My task, unfortunately, in the first half was my group task was to um, analyse West Ham in possession, which oh. they didn't have a lot of in the first half. Yeah. So there wasn't much to pick out. But it was it was interesting to when you take your eye off the ball, it's actually quite hard to do it with the TV because the cameras follow the ball. But yeah, of course. It's looking away from the ball, how much more you pick up and how much you miss when you're... Which I would probably take into on a match day, try not to focus so much on the ball so I can have a better overall view. So I think he actually has a, will have... Give me a different viewpoint, which then hopefully have a knock-on effect and give me a, lot, a better perspective of the games. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting that you can kind of apply that to your own kind of coaching kind of uh, philosophy, I guess we could say. So yeah. on that kind of note, let's kind of begin there. Let's kind of tell me a little bit about you. Kind of, In fact, let's go back even more so than kind of you as a coach. Kind of tell me a bit right, about your own football story. Like when did, did, have you played football yourself? When did you start playing? I have. Yeah, I started playing. I started playing really young. Four years old, four or five years old when I started playing for the school team. Then I'm, I'm in my 30s, so back then there wasn't the sports side of the games. It was you kind of, you had your football little tournaments and then I found a local team. So I played two year, one or two years above. I was a goalkeeper when I first started because I was always quite tall for my age. I kind of got stuck in goal because I was always one of the tallest ones. <laughs> lucky enough, I quite enjoyed it. So I started playing at a really young age, um, played all the way through. And then when I was 14... I moved because I was based in Bedfordshire beforehand. Mm-hmm. Moved us at MDX. Kind of started to try and get back into it, but you're know, that awkward age, aren't you? When you're trying to make friends. And I got into it, paid up to under 16s, and kind of knocked it on the head after that. I started to branch off and doing other things. I played rugby and done strength sports and all that sort of stuff. So kind of went away for it for a few years. And then when I was in my. Uh, I always used to go and watch my friends play for a local team. Yeah. I've always loved football, even though I wasn't playing it. I've always been a big fan and watched watch as much as I can. No one made play for a local team. Unfortunately, they weren't doing too well at the time. Their manager started to leave. And I've always wanted to try coaching. Mm-hmm. I never really knew how to get into it. Dabbled a little bit because my brother's six years younger than I am. So I coached him a little bit when I was younger with some of his teams and his school team. And their manager left. And they said, well, do you fancy doing this? So I can't with chat to the deep and took over a first team having no coaching experience whatsoever <laughs> about eight, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. In the end, that's, that's where it started. And that's where the sort of the bug bit, shall we say. Nice. Okay. So you kind of started off with, did you say your brother was six years younger? Yeah. So kind of. Yeah, he's six years younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of in the kind of. So <laughs> nice. So. I guess then, what what then made you kind of switch to the kind of women's game then, I guess? Is this well, where kind of the Rams kind of begins for you sort of thing? Or did you, have you coached previously in the women's game? I'd never coached previously before in the women's game. When me and my partner first met, she was playing. She, mm-hmm. played, she played football. So that was kind of my first introduction 
So when we did play for the first couple of years that we were together, and then unfortunately her team sort of disbanded because like a lot of teams were falling out. Some players went to one club and that went to another, and um, so they moved on to another local. It's created another team with a local club. She went along to a couple of training sessions, didn't really like it there. Then tried another couple of local teams, and then unfortunately she then didn't get on with anything, so she stopped playing. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where my because I was trying to get involved with sort of her dad was a, was a manager of her team, so I was sort of talking. I'd go and watch every game, sitting on the sidelines with him, not really coaching, but kind of being part of the setup a little bit, and um, really enjoyed it. And never uh, after that kind of a few years until I got involved with Ramsey Missley because I was at another local club they kind of didn't match my ambitions yeah absolutely so I moved on moved on and come over to well at the time it was just called Ramsey and um, basically started come over across the set at the time earlier the Sunday couple of Sunday teams I come across the set up Saturday set up got that started and after the first year I noticed it was kind of around about the time when women's football was kind of growing a bit more. So, what well, I think we started in 2018, so it's going to build up for the World Cup and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I'd always, always thought about it, and I was voted in as vice chairman of the club, so I just put it forward and said, Truth, why don't we start a women's team? There's barely any teams around here. There's no, no opportunity for women's football, and I'd like, I'd like to give it a go. And luckily, our chairman's were as well that that kind of previous club didn't really like match your philosophy what is your kind of coaching philosophy if you want to kind of reveal your secrets to maybe the rest of your league <laughs> <laughs> um it's not exactly my well my coaching philosophy is that everyone should have the opportunity to play football mm-hmm. that's the way that we sit as a club and that's why when i moved over the relationship worked so well because we as I said, when I first came over, then there are two Sunday teams, and now we've got two Sunday men's teams, and now we've got eight teams altogether. So in the last four years, we've grown massively. So I'm not the sort of person, I'm not the sort of coach that will give up on someone straight away. Mm-hmm. I'm not the sort of person, you come up, you turn up to a football session, you're not quite... Because when we first started the ladies team, 
were, the majority of our players, I think eight, eight of our players, have never played football before. Well, they had, but they had like kick routes, never played competitively. Mm-hmm. They sort of had a kick route with friends in the park and maybe played a little bit of school when they were training. So, what I had never really coached like that before because I'd only ever coached men's football. Yeah. There was always people that we were playing for years. So, I felt a little refreshing having almost like one of the better phrase, like blank canvases to work with. Yeah, no, And to absolutely. sort of start, to start, um, to help me sort of almost be the whole way through the, from the start of their journey and help them sort of keep on progressing. So, I, that's, that part of it I found really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a lot of that is what drew me to it. And it's also the, the enthusiasm all our players have got because no matter what, we have, no matter what the weather is, no matter if they've had a bad week, they've had a bad day, they turn up to, to our sessions. And the focus and determination and dedication is just on a whole other level. So as a coach, that's all you can ask for really is that you want that, that dedication, you want that enthusiasm and the willingness to learn, which I think in the men's game is kind of going away a little bit. Yeah. what I've found. So with the, with the women's game, of just everyone's so friendly. I've started to you know, create a bit of a network of people where it all seems that everyone wants to try and help out, help each other out. And I'll just uh, that's brilliant. Well, it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a, kind of a really kind of poignant point there as well. I guess kind of because boys end up kind of bombarded with football from such a young age, kind of it's just a little bit slightly maybe on a plate for them, I guess you could say possibly. Whereas a lot, like you say, like a lot of your players have come in and they're kind of yeah. brand new to the game. So there's kind of like a whole new sort of hunger there, I guess. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure what it is with, I'm sure what it is with the men's game because we get, I find it harder, I always found it harder as a manager of the club to try and keep young players interested. Mm. <clears throat> it was like, I remember when I grew up, as I said, I kind of stopped playing about 16 anyway. So it was starting to creep in then. But it was almost like people stopped playing for their love. If, if they can't get a bit of money on a Saturday, they're not interested. Yeah. So they kind of go off and do their own thing. Whereas I found, and also, as you said, people, they've been bombarded with football. So there's also a slight level of arrogance, like we know what we're doing anyway. So no matter what you tell us, we're not what we're doing. Whereas I found with women's football, they just want to learn. They yeah. turn up, they listen, they want to learn. And as I said, the enthusiasm is so infectious. So it's rubbed off. It's improved me as a coach, definitely 100%. It's improved me as a coach getting involved in the women's game. And I just found it so rewarding, I just couldn't see myself going back and doing anything else at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing to hear. How do you think it's improved you as a coach? Kind of what's different about your coaching now that you're in the women's game? I think I've had to adapt the way that I coach mm-hmm. because it's not one. I've been making the coaching is not one size fits all, is it? You have to adapt to your approach. And there's the way that maybe you would address something with male players, you'd have to do different females. What I found with women, with the women's football, with women's football with our players they ask a lot more questions so they want to know a lot more about why mm-hmm. which is which is perfectly understandable so you end up 
have to really think a lot more and give a lot more detail in yeah. that point because you are you're telling them to do something like you could be going for a drill it could be anything like transition possession anything anything like that and I want to know exactly what mm-hmm. so I did that myself did that myself a little bit that that way um also we've I think when I as I said I got a bit lackadaisical maybe because I had a set of players I'd have for years. Yeah. Pretty much the whole, whole way through when I was with the men's team. And I'd only done my level one. I never really thought of anything more, really. I was kind of, yeah, it's, it's cool. I've taken over a team. I'll get a couple of drills on YouTube. We'll have a training session and then we'll go from there. And that, that was the way that I was. But now I'm finding that I'm looking into things a lot more personally, yeah. which is so I can... So I can help help our players out a lot more. I think that that's given me a whole different perspective of how to. Nice. That's really interesting to know. Um, so kind of tell me a little bit about the team then. Just so you guys, you said we're back formed back in 2018. You took over in 2019. Yep. Uh, tell me about the league that you're playing, for example. So it's, if I've got this right, it's the Suffolk Girls and Women's Football League Women's Championship. That is correct. <laughs> mouthful. Yeah, absolutely. It's a mouthful. Yeah, so we formed in 2018, and as I, as I said a little bit earlier, the majority of our players have never played very football. So what we decided to do was give them a year's worth of friendlies. So it's organised friendlies games, trained for a year. So they had a nice basis to sort of throw them in a nice base instead of throwing them in the deep end. They're saying, we know we've never really played before, have a crack at a league. So that's yeah. what we thought we'd do. <laughs> um, first season, we went into Suffolk and women's girls Suffolk Women's Girls League and that was just one league when yeah. we when we joined last year we've done alright um, we were third from bottom I think when the league got, unfortunately got none avoided yeah the ongoing pandemic um, I think we finished on six points so we won one game had a few draws and quite a few losses mm-hmm. we were there was, the progression was there you see the ladies were really starting to grow like this I said I took over in the October the last few months I've been involved for 16 months and probably 50% of that's been in lockdowns <laughs> so it's not been the, it's been the easiest as easiest of start this year they decided to split the league and we got put in the championship and um, we've there's a good mix in there really it's made it a little bit more competitive there's a couple of teams that are more established than us that are right near the top of the league and are, are doing really well but it's quite <clears throat> We've played a few closer competitive games compared to last season with some of the other teams around us that have just started. And culminating in our final game before the lock before Christmas, and it just turned out to be our final game before the lockdown. Yeah. We beat the top of the, the team at the top of the league currently, 1 0, which was a massive result for us. It's only the second win we've had in league football. So it always seems to be. At the moment, it seems to be we start off doing really, really well and then we go through a lockdown. So trying to get a bit of momentum going isn't the easiest thing at the moment. So hopefully, fingers crossed, once this is all, all over and done with, we can actually have a fair crack and keep, keep on going. Because just prior, like halfway through last season, we've had such an impact of players for actually start the stepping team, the development team. Yeah. So we had a lot of friendlies booked for them and they've all had to be cancelled now. So. We're in the same boat as everyone, we're just getting a bit frustrated with uh, the stop-startedness of it. But 
do at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how has that kind of changed the kind of, I guess, obviously, apart from the obvious of not actually being able to play your kind of league games, like how have you kind of changed, like how, how are you keeping the team kind of in touch and how are you kind of kind of still maintaining that kind of connection with the team? Are you doing anything kind of physically for the team as in kind of uh, working on kind of fitness and things like that or equally mentally? It's kind of, is there anything you're doing to kind of keep up morale, I guess? Yeah, we, we, we're trying to keep, keep basic me and, I, and my, my coach, Adam, we're trying to give the give our players as much um, stuff as possible to keep them entertained and together. During the lockdown, lockdown I've lost track of what number lockdowns we're on now. We're on three. Um, <laughs> lockdown two, so what, November, in that four week, we set the challenge that we were going to do a virtual tour from Land's End to John O'Groats mm-hmm. to try and raise money for Mind UK and Cancer Research because because we've had stuff with our, it's, it's well documented on social media anyway but our captain Amy last year was diagnosed with breast cancer yeah so she's been battling that while also playing amazing that's very fast you can play Playing and playing while while um, while she's been going for a treatment. So yeah, there's there's two charities that are close to close to us because I think we all know people with touch by mental health during what's been a really tough year. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, cancer research. We've unfortunately most of us have been know someone that's been cancer at some point. So we done. So we made the we made the decision to do that. Of a running, walking, and cycling. Managed as we was going through that. Unfortunately, we found out a lot. A, um, a girl from a team, thirty, thirty year old from one of the local girls' teams, who one of our players' husbands, her manager, her coach, she was diagnosed with leukemia. Yeah. So what we did, we made the decision to then come back. So we went to Johnny Groves on the way back to the So that was a good way of um, sort of keeping us all together and getting people out of the belt and giving you a bit of an incentive to sort of get off the sofa and get out and enjoy a bit of fresh air. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was a good way of doing it. And then for this lockdown so far, we've completed in January, we've done a 40,000 squat um, challenge. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a squad, we set a target of 40,000 squats. Again, that was sort of raised, uh, raised money for lymphoma action. Yeah. So we raised quite a bit for them as well. I can't remember the final figure. And then we've also been taking part in a European virtual tour to, well, you're not, as, as you know. <laughs> yeah, um, slightly loaded <laughs> question when I asked you what you're uh, kind of doing to keep kind of entertained yeah. this lockdown. I thought, I thought I'd say the best bit to last. last. <laughs> so what, we've been doing, what we've been doing is uh, racing against the ball around Europe. Um, so the aim was to visit the three champions. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've explained this before. Uh, no, I haven't but, actually. Yeah. So a bit of context yeah. for anybody who's listening to this. I am part of S4K FC Bucks County Ladies, the Forks, and um, my team is currently racing Greg's team uh, across a virtual European tour. <laughs> so yeah. So we're going around the European tour. So we're doing that. So we're doing, doing that for the time being. Um, 
so that's at the moment we're kind of trying to limit it to this one, to this one challenge because we had a couple of challenges run at the time we got a bit confused with what was going on with which, yeah no the crossover how many days <laughs> how many days we had left and stuff. so with a with a race unfortunately we started off really well we had a bit of a lead but we might have had a little stumble on the fork <laughs> it's the snow <clears> it's the weather it's trying to force people to get out and clock some kilometres isn't it like yeah I don't yeah. know <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. likewise, yeah, for us as well, it's just kind of just keeping that motivation, isn't it, just to kind of get up and move when you haven't got football to kind of see each other and kind of be on the pitch together. So, yeah, no, it's admirable, definitely. Um, So, kind of, you mentioned before about that kind of 1-0 win over the league, um, the league leaders beforehand. Like my kind of question here is kind of, is that your standout moment at the club or is there something else that has maybe happened at the club? It can be off the pitch as well, to be fair. That's... That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. A tough one to answer as well. Mm. It's, cut, it's got to be close between that and I, like, I took over and our first ever competitive win was under me a few games into, into our, when our first season, our first took over. So, oh, it's, I can't really decide between them two. They are both <laughs> very good moments. There's loads of, we've had loads of great moments. But I think they're the two that really, really stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And then I, I guess you maybe kind of mentioned it already, talking about kind of dealing with the pandemic and stuff like that, but equally kind of what's been the biggest challenge you feel like you've had to deal with at the club? What, during the pandemic or just in general? Just in general at the club. Um, I can't say there many challenges really at, at the club. During the pan, it's mainly during the pandemic, especially with, as we're so, such a new team, such a raw team. It's trying to keep the progression going yeah, during, the, during the time. Because I said, it seems we're getting a bit of momentum and ahead of, ahead of steam. And unfortunately, it seems that we go to lockdown. Yeah. It's almost like we take one step forward and we're going like, sort of two steps back, which I think we probably will find with a lot of teams in in our um, in our current situation. And especially what is hard to then, we've like, last season been none and void and all the all the um being expunged yeah as such. if that happens and then there's also rumors obviously that that's going to happen again so technically we could have started two seasons but then if you actually technically never played the competitive yeah, game because there would be nothing to show for it which doesn't mean that our hard work's gone to nothing, but then that, them sort of doubts and them sort of thoughts do start to creep in. So to try and keep keep that away from the players, as such as that if that does happen, doesn't mean that your hard work's for nothing. Because when we do start our season, fingers crossed, actually finally to get to complete one, um, you let that two weeks, that two seasons worth of work will then stand you good stead for that. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed that 2021-22 uh, yeah. is the third time lucky there then in that case. Yeah, um, definitely. Kind of, well, fingers, fingers crossed that, that we get to finish this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think That's, that's, a, that's another, another podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So kind of mentioning the kind of 2021-22, like what does the kind of future look like for Ramsey and Missley ladies? You mentioned there's already uh, a development right. team in place, so... So I lost you that, didn't I? What was that? Sorry. That's okay. Uh, so you mentioned that there's like a development team kind of in place. So what's the kind of future for them and anything else at the club, really? Yeah, the future's really good, really good for 
for the, the women's section with the club. Just said, we have had such a big intake this year that we've we made the decision to start a development day, which the plan was to do what we we done, did originally with our team, that we'd give a year's worth of friendlies and then look to jump from the league. So at the moment, we're at the bottom. We're in, in the Suffolk and Women's League with the Championship and the, the Premiership, so we're in the Championship, so there'll be no effort reserved to go there and put in like, a, a different league. Yeah. So the plan was we've had a big influx, and the majority of them, again, that have come in haven't, haven't really played before. So we thought we'd give them a year's worth of friendlies and training and go from there and make a decision based off of that after that and then again there's a, there's a pandemic that's kind of put a, put a hold to that for the time being so that we push back a little bit but the plan is we'll still run two teams because we still want to play the people we're interested in we actually had people come forward to us during, during lockdowns and stuff that, 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 that amazing yeah so, I think now we've got like 40 players I think you know what's that group and interested in playing so yeah, we had, didn't really have a choice. We always wanted to progress to a second team, but we've kind of progressed a little bit quicker and we probably... Yeah. Then that was planned or anticipated because of the amount of, the amount of interest we've had. So that'll be one stepping stone mm-hmm. to start a second team. We're also in the process of applying for it to be a Wildcat centre because our next aim is to start girls football. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. So... Start off the Wildcats and then try and get some teams going from there. Amazing, yeah. So really kind of paving that way for kind of girls kind of football to grow and then that pathway yeah. as well into the women's team. Yeah, that's incredible to hear. Yeah, exactly. That's what we really want to create get the pathway pathway, but we want to create a pathway because a lot of our coaches for our Wildcats centre will be our female female players. So then the girls are coming along and have a look and see that that there's a step there that Football, there is a pathway through football from now. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I think that's such a kind of vital part of kind of, I guess this leads on to my next question, a kind of more general question. So where do you think the women's game is kind of making strides? And I think obviously you've kind of answered that question a little bit there by saying you're kind of creating that kind of pathway there. But yeah, is there anything else that you particularly think like on a sort of broader scale that the where the women's game's really kind of improving, I guess, and growing? Yeah, I do think it's growing. I definitely do think it's growing. We've seen that over the last couple of years that we've started the amount of influences coming forward for players that that want to get involved and start playing. Um, I think the double shortly is getting a little bit more exposure, but then another point where they are failing, falling down, where it could there's chances where it could probably get a bit more exposure than it could do. Yeah, with the for example, being the Northern Ireland friendly coming up, being on a Tuesday for the yeah. Lionesses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think we've discussed that, haven't we? <laughs> possibly, you might have missed the trick there ever so slightly, but it is it is getting a bit more a bit more traction, especially through social social media. There's a lot more sort of teams that are, even if they've got a women's section and a, and a men's section. They have their own women's accounts. They've quite a bit more active, interactive in sort of promotion through that. Yeah, absolutely. Because especially on Twitter, that's there to be massive. The female football community on Twitter seems to be huge. And then it, it's very supportive, which can't always be said about football. But, uh, really. yeah, no, absolutely. But the, the female side of it is, is quite is very supportive. Everyone seems to be sort of promoting 
each other pick each other up which is great um, I think the more games being put on sort of a bit available for the red button of BBC that's going to help a little bit if people got easier access not everyone knows about the FA player you have, kind of have to have a look for that the yeah. FA player want to be fine and watch women's football whereas you might stumble across a women's game on the red button on BBC yeah, absolutely. So, and if, the well, what we'll really, I think, we'll really kick off again because the World Cup and how well the, how well the Lioness has done that seems to really peak peak the interest. And yeah, definitely, we need to when the Euros come. Obviously, that's going to then bring us up again. I think the FA needs to do a little bit more of really pushing that when we when we go back up on that sort of the crest of the wave and try and ride that and really push it. And, go forward as much as we can because as much exposure it is growing I think there is still more that can be done yeah no absolutely I couldn't agree more and I think yeah we kind of had a little bit of a to and a fro on Twitter yesterday didn't we about the kind of Lioness's yeah. fixture being uh, against yeah. Northern Ireland being shown on a Tuesday at 12.30 it just seems bizarre yeah. like we're in a lockdown so obviously our grassroots football is not happening right now so it's kind of 2pm on a Sunday is sort of prime time for capturing that audience. So it seems like they've missed a little bit of a trick there. So, yeah, like you say, that's definitely a place that that sort of thing can grow. Absolutely. This has been quite a while before they put this, since they played it for a game with the thought that they really would have tried to go for it. But. Yeah, absolutely. I think with a new manager kind of in place, kind of temporarily before we see Serena Wiegmann <clears throat> coming in September, like it's a chance to kind of showcase her kind of different coaching. But I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll change it up when... Um, when we play the other fixture, who knows? We'll see with that one, I guess. <laughs> um, so you kind of touched a little bit on the kind of Wildcats thing there. And so what do you think that kind of grassroots football can do to kind of aid the development? Because obviously we've talked about kind of England and stuff like that, but what can grassroots football do to kind of aid that kind of growth and development of women's football, do you think? I think more clubs need to be looking for football for girls and women. But there's... If we don't get the Wildcats in there, there is no other girls football really within a 15-mile radius to where we're both. Wow, yeah, okay. So you have to travel, so you're expecting parents. If you've got a little girl that wants to play football, you're expecting parents to drive 20 minutes, half hour, to take take your child to play football. Whereas if it was a boy, you could throw a stone and hit a club with, with boys football. Yeah. Now that needs to change that's what needs to change that's what needs to start being promoted um, so I think and I think that every club the majority not every club sorry I can't say every club I can't agree with the same brush but the majority of clubs need to start sort of looking at girls football as more as a viable option and it should be equally as important as men's football boys football yeah no absolutely for us are we the same it's just it's just as important as on the same level as any of our men's teams. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so and they get just as much support because we want to be completely equal. Like equality is a, is a big thing for us and also as opportunity. So I think grass. There is a lot more that some grassroots clubs can can be doing to make sure that we we continue the growth of the game for the the women's side of the game. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more, really. Um, so, yeah, something at my team recently as well. So we've kind of just created a pathway because I think what often happens is you might kind of get those kind of girls clubs 
and then mm. kind of it just stops at sort of 16 it feels like and then you kind of need to bridge that gap between the sort of like between the 16 and kind of eight and then moving into senior football so yeah absolutely kind of yeah. introducing that kind of grassroots definitely kind of the wildcat centers like you say is such a kind of important way for us to kind of grow the women's game absolutely <clears throat> if it's kind of the gateway in isn't it they start playing and then what we've done what we think is wildcats sort of come and play a bit like it isn't i believe there's an adult initiative like that isn't it come and play sessions as well which is another thing that i've been having a look at we have got some some players that just come to our training sessions that aren't really interested or don't feel ready to play yeah. Which is perfectly fine. If you wanted to come and play, you want to come and play. So that's, that's something else that we're looking into at the moment. But with the Wildcats, what we're hoping is that'll be the, the first step to sort of get abuse of playing football. Is that we're going to have all our female, our, our female players as coaches. Yeah. So they can see that there is some legs to this that you can carry on playing. It's not you just have a bit of a kick around and laugh in your mouth. You can go on and play if you want to. Yeah. And then hopefully build up where you can absolutely so kind of that wildcats thing's just about kind of sparking that kind of um interest isn't it and then hopefully yeah. ramsey will be kind of leading the way with uh kind of growing the women's game in that kind of essex we're, area we're, we're hoping so we're hoping so yeah amazing so i just wanted to kind of maybe sort of finish off on some quick fire questions about the squad at Ramsey. So (laughs) I don't want you to feel like you're kind of digging anyone out here. It's just a little bit of fun, but yeah. So uh, let's start with who's always late. Who's always late. (laughs) Yeah. There must be one. There's always a culprit in the team. Who's always late. Yeah. There is a, there is a few. Trying to think for the worst of being late. Um, Lauren and Joe, I can't <laughs> separate with three of them. They're both the worst at turning up late. Nice. Uh, who is most competitive? <laughs> mm, most competitive. I'd probably say our skipper Amy is most competitive. <laughs> I mean, that's probably why she's the skipper, surely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is scoring that winning goal? Holly. <laughs> nice. Holly Hammond. Yeah. We've got three Holly, so I better say Holly <laughs> Absolutely. And <laughs> equally, who's missing that winning goal? Oh, um, <laughs> I can't say that, can I? Um, <laughs> you don't have to answer. You can veto this one. Who's missing? Trying to think who, who is shooting. Probably one of those, our defenders. Probably <laughs> missed it. But I feel I'm going to I'm gonna have to dodge that one. <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> Um, who waits till match day to turn on the heat? So they're kind of a little bit like under the radar at training maybe and then match day they're a completely different player. Mm. Good one. We might think that I thought they were a lot more simple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, who waits on match day to turn it on? I 
would probably say Saskia. Nice, okay. Um, who's turning up at the wrong venue or forgetting their kit? <laughs> Emily. <laughs> that was barely even like a few seconds to think about that. That was straight in there with that answer. Um, yeah. Who's the biggest joker? Who's the biggest joker? Or who's the loudest? Kerry, <laughs> Kerry or Farron. You know if, one, if something's going on, it'd be one of them too. <laughs> nice. And then a nice one to finish on. Who's the team hype woman? Who's getting everyone going on match day? Oh, that's, that's hard. We've got, we've got a couple that really sort of help. I'll, I'll give it to Kerry. She's always, she's always sort of getting the girls going and laughing a joke. And, nice. Yeah, I'll say Kerry. <laughs> Love that. Okay, so kind of... Uh, last thing is there anything else that you wanted to add about the team at all what just in general yeah just anything like anything you want to add about the team at all (laughs) what yeah the the thing is I can go on for ages (laughs) absolutely but just what basically they're just a great bunch you know a fantastic group of players no matter what happens they're always smiling. They're always happy. Yeah, we 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 had a tough start because yeah, we, we was quite new, but they never never stopped any of them. We never lost any players from it. They always they always battled through and they kept going. And now that's really starting to joke because the amount of work they put in each training session, you can see on on a, on a weekly basis. And we're now getting to somewhere where we are getting a lot more competitive, and that is purely down to to them. Because yeah. as much as we put the sessions on, they have to turn up and do it for the work rate. So it's, it's all down to them. They they work so hard. It's such a great, such, such a great, great group, and they're the re- they're the reason. As much as the club and, and we've tried to help them out, they're the reason that we're growing. We have we get interested they are because all you got to do is come and watch their game, one of their games, and you want to get involved. You you want to be there because they're. They're always happy. They're always having a laugh. They, they, you can let you can tell that they're playing for the enjoyment of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they get they got quite a, quite a good little following. To be fair to them as well. Last last, last game of the season, we had a bumper massive lot, and we and we had a lucky one one. We had a, we had a massive crowd uh, during the pandemic, but yeah, we had a massive group up there, and they've completely changed my outlook of football. So I probably owe them a thing. Because there's times I think like a lot of coaches we used to kind of start to question yourself and you still got the love for the game as much as you used to. And they definitely brought it back for me. So they are gonna this anyway, but yeah, thank <laughs> Amazing. That feels like a really kind of poignant kind of bit to finish on there really then so thank you so much for joining me for episode one of match fix you're very welcome I'm very, I'm, yeah thanks for having me no, not um, a problem at all the, with it with the first the first team that's gonna be taking part on what I've, i'm sure can be a successful podcast i hope so absolutely one final thing uh where can people find you yeah. on social media oh, no you're asking um, <laughs> you can our facebook and our Instagram are both got the same handles, which is Ramsey Misleading Ladies. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitter as Ramsey Ladies. Nice, amazing. Double check that. <laughs> 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 I'm going to send you the complete wrong place. 
yeah, Ramsey Ladies, yeah, on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me for episode one of Match Fix. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to episode one of the latest series in the Selk podcast production. Expect to hear many more interviews from those involved in the women's grassroots game, as well as news, history and everything else in between. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. So if you ever want to reach out, I'm always happy to chat football or anything else for that matter. Feel free to get in touch with me on social media. Stay safe out there, wear a mask, wash your hands, follow the guidelines and catch you all soon for episode two. I've been your host, Abby, and you've been listening to Match Fix. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability. (laughs) 